0: Welcome to 217faith.church, the church that fits your schedule. What is the difference between godly wisdom and the wisdom of the world? A few weeks back, we spoke about the purpose of life being about maturing and growing. Last week, we spoke about the daily desires of a follower of Jesus. Both of these topics are meant to serve as a guideline, if we will, for the activities of the life of the Christian, which of course are not things that are going to happen by chance, but must be a result of an intentional action on our part. The wrong choices will cause delays in that spiritual growth and spiritual maturity, while walking on the right path will lead us to an everlasting hope and that spiritual maturity that God intends for all of his children. The life of a Christian or, or a follower of Jesus must be one grounded in obedience and faithful works For the sake of God's will for humanity. When the disciples of Jesus were in their training mode, we could say, Jesus sent them out uh, to do some hands on ministry uh, as he did. I kind of testified when I was in seminary school, they did the same thing. They would send us out. And as he sent them, he granted them authority to do many things, yet his command was no different than what he calls Christians to do still today. He said, As you go, make this proclamation the kingdom of heaven. Is at hand. The only difference between this command and the one that we in the church have today is that Jesus specifically sent his disciples to the lost sheep of Israel. For you see, he came for them first and then for the Gentiles, which is us. And then we were grafted, as the scripture says, to his plan. No, it doesn't mean that we were some sort of an afterthought. No, but in God's order of things, he came first for his people, and then his mercy was extended. His grace was given to the rest of humanity. Those that would accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and who would put their trust in him, just as God always intended. One of my favorite books in scriptures is the book of James, the Gospel of James, I like to call it. Uh, James was uh, what we would consider a half-brother of Jesus, meaning that his parents were also Mary and Joseph. But Jesus, of course, he had a more uh, divine conception. James was very skeptical at first of his older brother, Jesus. However, he eventually came around and was put in charge of the developing church in the city of Jerusalem. James grew up around Jesus. Think about that. I've often wondered what wonderful lessons did Big Brother teach him or, or what wonderful things did he share with them as they played. Now, eventually, I'm assuming uh, uh, that, that those lessons took root in James's heart because, again, he became an important early church leader. As such, James' writing to the church in Jerusalem reminds believers of, of what is One of my favorites, if not my favorite verse in Scripture, in fact, the namesake of this ministry, when he says or reminds us that faith is dead when it doesn't result in faithful activity, James 2.17. This faithful activity is what Christians must be about, putting our faith in Christ into work for the sake of his coming kingdom and his lost sheep. The disciples were sent out to the sheep of Israel, but now you and I are sent out to the rest of the world. That command comes to us, of course, in what we call the great commandment. We must never waver in our duties to warn the world that the kingdom of God is at hand. That is part of our job, meaning at the prophesied end, it will take place soon. It is clear to me uh, from what I see in current world events uh, that that end is being pointed to quite rapidly. And while we do not know the exact date, there's more reason for us, the church, to ever be so vigilant and, and willing to bring the message of repentance and hope to a lost world. For some of us, that will include those folks in Israel who are still lost, those sheep that are still lost, those who are still waiting for the Messiah's coming. Yet, of course, we know that he already came in the person of Jesus Christ. They dismissed him. And many still do. But it is not too late if we share God's grace and his mercy with them. We know that when Jesus returns, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Your job and mine is to go and preach this good news, this gospel of hope, and make the ground ready to receive that seed of hope that Christ will plant upon his return. In the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew 10 Verse 7, Jesus uses the phrase, the kingdom of God. In his most basic definition, this refers to the realm of God, heaven on earth, if you will. Not quite there yet, but it's coming. Therefore, the follower of Jesus must live a life, not only of faithful activity, but one that is guided by the wisdom of God and not that of the world. What is really the difference here? Well, according to the world, According to the Word of God, godly wisdom is good, pure, and peaceful, while worldly wisdom is demonic. Strong words, but why? Because worldly wisdom is selfish, and it denies the wisdom that God gives. Worldly wisdom says if you work hard enough, you can accomplish anything, no matter who you have to step over to get there. God's wisdom says I can do all things through Christ gives me strength. The world believes in the self and trusts only in its strength to tackle any situation or any given need. God's wisdom calls us to lean on God's understanding, to trust in him alone, and to acknowledge him in all that we do, and he will set our path straight. You see, the world seeks to fill emptiness of the heart with drugs, alcohol, sex, violations of the body, and so much more filth. This is their way of wisdom. The Christian is called to test of things, to see what is pleasing to God, not the self. And as a result, we must be careful to live our lives wisely and not foolishly. We're going to talk about this foolishness of the cross in a couple of weeks. We must take advantage of every opportunity, it reminds us the Apostle Paul, because these are evil times. But love one another, he says, as Christ loved the church. Submit to one another and always give thanks to God. Again, more on this Thanksgiving and next week. As we learn to trust in God's wisdom, we will find ourselves living in His will and living obedient lives. Now, returning to the book of James, chapter 3, verses 13 and 18. We find a passage that we want to just focus on for the next couple of minutes. And so let's read it together. James three thirteen through 18. The Word of God says, Are any of you wise and understanding? Show sure that your actions are good with a humble lifestyle that comes from wisdom. However, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambitions in the heart, then stop bragging and living in ways that deny the truth. This is, is not the wisdom that comes down from above. Instead, it is from the earth and it is natural and demonic. Wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambitions, there is disorder and everything that is evil. But what of this wisdom from above? First, it is pure and then peaceful and gentle and obedient, filled with mercy and good actions, fair and genuine. Those who make peace sow the seeds of justice by their peaceful acts. May God indeed grant us wisdom as we study his word together today. You see, I believe that in this scripture we find divine guidance on how we can seek and live by the wisdom of God rather than that what the world offers. God's wisdom, which always leads to life, versus the world's wisdoms, which leads to destruction and sin and ultimately death. The dictionary defines wisdom as the ability to discern inner qualities and in relationships, a good sense of judgment, accumulated knowledge even, right? God's wisdom is all of these things and yet so much more. Let's get into it. The first thing we want to do as followers of Jesus is to live a humbled lifestyle. I didn't say a humiliated lifestyle, but a humbled lifestyle. What does the Bible mean by a humble lifestyle? Well, it is the same word often used in scripture meaning meekness, which some mistake this word for weakness, but it's really meekness is truly a force under control. No wonder self-control is one of the gifts that the Spirit produces in us, right? Imagine it this way. You have a horse, powerful, strong, big, yet can be extremely gentle and caring. Even then, if needed, at a moment's notice, its full power can be released, and off it goes. Because of the wisdom of the world, we often think that being humble means we are weak, yet it could not be any further from the truth. The world thinks it needs to be aggressive, a a go-getter. After all, the the early bird gets the worm, right? Well, yes, but it's the second bird that is rested and can still find what it needs. Plus, being the first didn't work out so well for that worm, did it? Mm, He was the first. God's wisdom calls us to slow down, to learn to appreciate every moment. If we have a a drive to merely improve ourselves or compete with our neighbors for our benefits, we will soon find no satisfaction in the things that we do. This is true uh, in a spiritual realm as well as the secular world. A humbled lifestyle, therefore, is one where I don't need to always be right. I don't need to always get my way. I don't need to beat others up to the punch. I don't have to buy the biggest house, drive the latest car, or take the biggest vacations. All those things will ultimately leave us wanting. I can testify to that. When we develop a humble lifestyle, we learn to live in the moment. To enjoy every breath, to appreciate every opportunity that God sends our way because we tend to focus more on God than on the self, as we seek this humble attitude. He, of course, his will for us will then become even more clear, and we will, in turn, be more willing to follow as he leads us. Don't forget that Jesus, being God, humbled himself to the point of death on the cross. The prophet Isaiah said that like a sheep led to the slaughter, he did not complain or say a word. He humbled himself to the Father's plan, even in the faith of death itself. I believe that the church in America is not quite there yet, but we are very close to the day where we will need to choose between the world and God. And when we choose God, our very lives may be at stake. Now, this is not something that happens. It's going to happen overnight. It's not going to be a single event that's going to get us there. But it has already started, right? With every compromise on scriptural truth and biblical conviction, many in the church are becoming permissive to sin, sinful behaviors. And one day it will be too late when some will hear, depart from me for I never knew you. That's a scary passage of scripture. The Apostle James writes, are any of you wise and understanding? He asked the question. He says, sure that your actions are good with a humble lifestyle that comes from wisdom. If all you want out of life is the next score or the next conquest, you are not living a humble life. You're living a life for the self. You see, humble learns to put others first, which is the example of Jesus that we must follow. As a result, our faith will produce faithful actions as we seek to share the good news of God's message and serve those in need for the honor and glory of God. Now, James continues by instructing the reader to lay all worldly thoughts, feelings, and ambitions aside. You see, these are the things that can lead us down the wrong path if we are selfish in nature. Meaning, I think this way, I act this way, I go after this or that so that I can be better, so that I may increase. Yet the Bible calls us to decrease so that Christ may increase. You hear the difference? Godly wisdom tells us to have the thoughts of God through the renewing of our mind, to feel compassion for others as God God has done for us, and to consider all things gain as trash when we compare them to gaining eternal life through Christ Jesus. Friends, godly earthly wisdom wants wants us to accumulate stuff. Godly wisdom wants us to seek to gain heaven itself. Don't get me wrong. Ambitions are fine as long as they are God-centered and not self-centered. My greatest ambition in life is to save the world for Jesus. I know it's an amazing tall order, but it is after all for the glory of God and never for any personal gain. I could care any less about me. I want people to come to Jesus. I confess to you this is a godly desire, not a selfish one. Godly wisdom. That worldly wisdom instead leads us to selfishness, and it can lead us to have bitter jealousy, as the scriptures mention, and self-ambitions in our hearts. When we do, the Bible warns us that we we will never stop bragging and living in ways that deny the truth of God. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. Instead, it is from earth. It is natural. It is demonic because it denies the Lord. Look at the world today divided by acquisition and war, exploration of the weak, or exploitation, I should say, of the weak and the poor, lies and misinformation, and all are intended to control us, to encourage disorder, to break down the goodness of God, the God ordained family structure, and the truth about God's creation, and instead bring evil into the realm of what is acceptable. This is not God's plan, and you and I must speak against it and never become permissive or willing participants of this sort of behavior. Instead, just like James calls us, we must seek to link up, he says there, with God's wisdom. Now, I know that sounds a bit churchy, it is nonetheless the truth. As a result, let us seek to understand what James means here in a very practical way. Jesus continues in our scripture for today, making his case, James, he's making his case uh, to the church. He says, what of the wisdom above? He says it is pure, peaceful, gentle, obedient, filled with mercy, good, good actions, fair and genuine. Those who make peace, he says, sow the seeds of justice for their peaceful acts. What does it mean then that God's wisdom is pure and Peaceful. Well, the word pure declares something that is clean, something that is separated, set aside. Much like the word holiness, our God's call on the faithful follower is to live Christ-like life separated from the world. Throughout the scriptures, we are reminded to think of things which are pure. The apostle Paul, writing to the church in Philippians, reminds them that whatever is true, honest, Just, pure, and lovely, and good, he says. Anything of virtue, we should think of those things. This type of thinking will lead us to faithful obedience in God. I know it. And his perfect wisdom. The psalmist himself also reminds us that the word of the Lord, that is the scriptures, they are pure. We get in the picture here. As such, then, to be peaceful is to inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus proclaimed as much. He said this during his teachings, what we call the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. The Apostle Paul, again, now speaking to the church in Rome, describes that to be earthly minded is death, but then he says to be spiritually minded is life and is peace. Peace. Another word used here often is the word prosperity. And no, I'm not talking about in the sense of prosperity that some Bible teachers mistakenly use it, but in the sense of prospering in living according to the will of God for our lives. Purity leads to peace. Peace leads to God's arms. And there we prosper in His will. Sadly, the opposite is true as well. Impure or polluted desires lead us to conflict. And conflict by its selfish nature will lead us to sin and to death. And so the final step then to live according to God's wisdom is to be a gentle person, obedient, filled with mercy, says the scripture, and faithful actions, fair and genuine. It's amazing to me how God works his will through the scripture. What James writes here is very similar, very familiar to what Paul wrote about to the church in Galatia what is often called the fruit of the spirit evidently to desire the wisdom of god is to live according to the ministry of the holy spirit in our lives the world does not want us to be gentle but to be aggressive and take what we want there's no room for mercy in the world only a winning only winning matters right yet god or good actions are identified in the world as those that produce the greatest benefit for me, regardless of what it may cost others. Fairness and genuineness are also foreign terms to the world as long as I get what's coming to me. That's a dangerous perspective if we think about it. Still, this is why God calls us to be separated from the world, to be a beacon of light, to point out to a deprived and lost world. Into the uh, point, them into the perfect purpose and will of God, his good and faithful will, his pure and gentle and his peaceful and merciful plan. My friends, when we imitate Christ, who lives in, out, who, who lived out, if you will, all of these characteristics in his wisdom, we run the risk of being ridiculed by the world. Yet this is exactly what Jesus did. Even as he was being crucified, he prayed for those who nailed them on the cross and asked God to have mercy on them. By the way, he was not just praying for those that were presently there, but he was praying for you and for me as well. After all, he died for my sins. Could you do that? Could you forgive someone as they are slapping you or taking something that is yours? I'm not sure if I could, and there lies our need to daily seek after the wisdom of God and not of the world. Help me, Father, I pray, to forgive as you have forgiven me. You know, Jesus said that if someone strikes you, right, that you are to turn the other cheek. The world's wisdom says, fight back, get even, make them pay for what they've done to you. God is not saying that you allow uh, yourself to be abused. No, the turning of the other cheek comes from the first slap. You see, In his day, a slap was a a bit like like a backhanded action, right? They would simply brush away or dismiss the individual. The person doing the slap didn't even have to look at you, right? They just slapped you and brushed you away. However, when you turn the other cheek, now they have force to face you because now their hand has to come down your way and they have to look you in the eye. As they do, and now uh, they try to slap you, right? They now have to face you. It is a different thing to merely brush somebody away, to dismiss them, than to have to look them in the eye and then physically abuse them. Instead, we must always seek after the things of God first and trust in His provision and His wisdom to grant us all that we need, as we need it, especially His wisdom. The Apostle Paul, or Apostle James said as much at the beginning of his letter, in James 1.5, He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. God, grant us a heavenly wisdom today. When King David's son Solomon assumed the throne, God came to him and offered to grant the king any request that he wanted. Solomon, understanding the great responsibility of guiding a people, Simply ask God for wisdom to rule well and to lead the people in God's ways. As a result, we know from his journey uh, that God was so pleased with the young king that on top of wisdom, he also granted Solomon riches beyond belief and recognition around the world like no one other. You see, friends, when we dismiss the wisdom of God and seek to enrich ourselves or create popularity for ourselves at the expense of others, We're not acting wisely. But when we seek the wisdom and righteousness of God first, the Bible promises that God will add all other things. This is a trustworthy statement, my friends. The wisdom of the world only produces temporary satisfaction, but it is always contrary to the eternal promises that God provides through His divine wisdom. Even many of the laws of our governments today are based on the laws of God. Even if others deny them, morality is a godly character, not an evolved trait. Humans are not good to each other because we evolved that way, but it's because it is built into us through the image of God. We borrow from God's justice to rule ourselves, yet even those laws can become corrupted if we base them on the wisdom of the world rather than on God's. Liberalism is one of those things, one of those examples that it is such a dangerous worldly wisdom. It seeks to control by giving free reign to personal desires. While God calls us to take every thought under control and trust in his guidance instead. Do you hear the difference? You see, the choice is always ours. But which one will we make? Will we desire the wisdom of God no matter what it may cost us? Or will we fall for the lies and deceptions of a worldly wisdom that promises to make us feel good? We cannot punt this decision to someone else. It is a personal decision that each individual must take, no matter the outcome, whether you're a brand new believer or whether you've been walking with Jesus for 50 years. Will you continue to live according to the wisdom of the world or come to trust in God's perfect wisdom and move in faith into faithful action as he leads you? How will you choose today? Lord, as we seek your divine wisdom, it truly guides us as your word serves as a lamp unto our feet. In your word, Lord, we find your ways and the expectations for us to live. Expectations you rightly set for us. Your Holy Spirit brings us to a greater awareness of your love. And by the cross of Jesus, you save us and provide a path for us back into your loving arms. The cross, it seems foolishness, is the depth of your wisdom. That sort of wisdom is absent from sinful humanity, yet you call us to live according to it anyways, to seek it, to desire it above all other things. Earthly wisdom makes us foolish in your eyes, yet when we accept your perfect wisdom, we become wise in your eyes. It doesn't matter how the world sees us. And so we pray, God, that you will grant us your divine wisdom. Open our eyes to your love and goodness that we may lay aside the things of this world and seek after your righteousness, your mercy. May we find grace through your wisdom, not just for our lives as you guide us, but in our treatment of one another. Lord, we indeed humble ourselves before you. In faith, we receive such a wisdom today. Father, you inspire King Solomon, who wrote much of the sub- on the subject of wisdom as he attempted to pass on his knowledge to his children. And so in Proverbs 4, 20-27, we hear what true godly wisdom is about. And by literary result, the opposite then becomes the world's wisdom. As we close our time together today, please hear what true wisdom from the Lord looks like. As King Solomon writes, he says, My son, pay attention to my word, the words of God. Bend your ear to my speech. Don't let them slip from your sight. Guard them in your mind. They are life to those who find them and healing for their entire body. More than anything, you guard and protect your mind, for life flows from it. Have nothing to do with a corrupt mouth. Keep devious lips far from you. Focus your eyes straight ahead. Keep your gaze on what is in front of you. Watch your feet on the way, and on all your path will be secure. Don't deviate a bet to the right or to the left, because your feet will then turn away from, to evil indeed turn away from evil father may the divine wisdom we find in your word dictate how we live our lives in our service to you and as we seek to serve and love one another no matter what we may go through may we always choose to learn from you and to lean upon your understanding and to reject the evil ways of a worldly wisdom May we choose to grow closer to you, our benevolent Father, and resist the temptation or the selfish temptations of a worldly wisdom. May it be so, Father, for we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The
1: perfect wisdom of our God reveals. at his command. He knows the mysteries of the seas. The secrets of the stars are his. He guides the planets on their way and turns the earth Spirit tea. Pray for peace and cling to love And teach me humbly to receive The sun and rain of your sovereignty Each strand of sorrow has a place Within this tempestry of grace So through the trials I choose to save Perfect will in your perfect way. Each strand of sorrow has a place within this tapestry of grace. So through the trials, I choose to say, Your perfect will in your perfect way.
0: What a beautiful song to help us as we set off today seeking the wisdom of God and laying aside the ways of the world. We are so grateful to have had you join us in this service and we pray that you will be motivated to put your faith into faithful actions today. Would you please visit our website, ministry website at 217faith.church or as you watch us here on YouTube or Facebook or X, wherever it is, help us to spread the word by liking and sharing and clicking on the notifications below. We need your help. If you're seeking or want to support this evangelistic efforts, uh, please access our Patreon account and become a a contributor, become an enabler of what we believe God's leading us to do. We'll make sure to add a link uh, on the description to uh, that page. God's calling humbles us to preach His message of hope, love, and invitation. So we ask you to join us and together we can reach more who surely need God's welcoming words of grace of peace, of wisdom today. Please visit our ministry website, 217faith.church. Utilize the resources that are available there to help you in your own Christian experience. So until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his face to you and grant you peace. God bless you.